My name's Ian Austin. It's 0857am on Sunday, 30th of September 2018, and this is Friday Night Shudder. <coughs> Sorry about that. This week is a change of pace. See, in previous weeks, I've done recaps of many weird movies, and I've done a recap singular of one excellent movie. Which they doing something a bit different. I'm going to recap a movie which is both weird and excellent. It's Annabella's The Love Witch and Kickoff is now. So, chapter one. What is love? Question mark. See, in this sort of it's sort of movie I love, because even titles are utterly unique. You've got one for oscilloscope laboratories in particular, and you know something's lovingly crafted when even production logos merge a cool, distinctive sound with like green fog, a blue-black sky, and metallic stone font. It's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So the first thing we see in terms of the actual movie is opening on old school car backdrop shot. Move to an extreme close up of our protagonist slash antagonist slash villain question mark. Her name's Elaine and main title appears in red font across her eye. Jesus Christ guys, this is gonna be good. We get narration from Elaine as ominous music plays. She's running from a past, a murder by proxy. Poor Jerry, she says, gave her a nervous breakdown when he left, you know, when he left after she murdered him. Elaine smokes like chimney, and at this point I should add, no, I don't, I'm not particularly cool with people who smoke. I don't mind it. People want to smoke, that's fine, as long as they don't smoke and blurting my face. But in movies, it just looks cool. I just think you have to say that. It's very cool to watch a movie and see someone smoke. So you get a cop pulling her over and get repeated close-ups to heighten tension. At this point, the midst of absurdism and tension is really wonderful and it's really getting a good vibe going for this movie. We find out Elaine's taillight is out and there's some slight flirting for the cop. It's clear Elaine did not want to be caught because of her past, obviously, and everything her narration saying is being contradicted by how she's acting, which is wonderful because... Narration shouldn't just be filling in gaps. It should be a contrast or parallel to what's going on visually. And here we're getting that. We're getting her inner character, what she believes, is contradicted by how she acts. So we get lying men are fragile. And, I mean, in narration, I'm not going to disagree with that. I think there's some degree of truth there. Elaine pulls up to a new house and design and colour scheme market is so obviously a witch's house and I'm sure it's a statement on stereotypical perception reality. I think that's something that will come and play more as we watch this movie. We meet Trish straight after Stepford Wives. She's prim realtor, a contrast to Elaine's free spirit. Now that's character. That's not true character. So I don't want anyone to think, oh, you're making... Because I am in some ways making an assumption about these initial characters. But we're meant to. Because obviously as we go along, there's going to be more depth that comes in. Immediately we get the impression that this universe was a hybrid of many different decades. You're getting a lot of different aspects of different decades. Obviously there's a lot of this movie that feels like it's a homage to 1960s Technicolor sort of horror movies that came out in that decade. Elaine's apartment is full of tarot cards, strange paintings and bright colours, but isn't dwelled upon. That's when you know you've got a confident director and confident teamwork on the movie. And they can create something this beautiful in background, but not need to obsess over showing it every second because it's part of the universe. It doesn't need to sorry, it doesn't need to be everything. It can be part of the background and you can look at it and think that's amazing but it's not going to detract you from what's going on. The story should always be key. The background is a visual component for this story. We cut to a lavish tea room, all pink and classy, with a harp no less. 
Trish and Elaine bond over the lovely room, quotation marks. It's like being princess in fairy tale, they discuss. Elaine posits that they're all just silly gays dream of being carried off by Prince Charming on White Horse. That's hauntingly sad, and I think we're meant to be feeling that at this point. Elena's character is fascinating because she's trying to progress that she's a free spirit, but she's got weirdly old-fashioned views on what a relationship is. And when it doesn't live up to that, it's obviously a point that they play. If Jerry, she runs, and they leave her, and they leave her by dying mysteriously. Elaine studied parapsychology and understands men better now. She wishes she knew then what she does now. It's a paradox of life and dating. You you always, the older you get, the wiser you get for sniffing out bullshit and realising that you should have acted a different way. I mean, we're all a bit childish when we're younger and we all look back and we have regrets and wish we could have done things differently. But in the end, you... As you get older and you see more and more people, you wind up realising that you weren't ready when you're younger for certain things to happen. And when older you are, and you do think what if a lot, but it's not really worth it. Like, you can play that game all year long. It's not going to get you anywhere. You just keep moving on and improving. Jerry leaving made Elaine... No, oh, sorry, Jerry leaving was Elaine's figurative death and her rebirth, and literal rebirth as a witch. You get flashbacks said rebirth in a scene full of naked people and there's no titillation. Annabella's ability to shoot actors is astounding because she's putting cr- cross there naked and obviously it's a witch coming, but there's nothing sexy about the scene. It's just, it's both matter of fact and lovingly crafted. It's brilliant. Men are like children. That's, that's pretty true. The harpy sings one for beer foreshadowing. And then we get Elaine's point that men should be supported or encouraged. Which is true, but we, we also like being challenged. I mean, you, you won't feel like you're, you won't feel like your partner's are an equal. If they're not, then what's the point? Trish asked Bob about we want, and I think we, we've got our actual heroine here. Although it's a differently craft movie, so it might not be a heroine in strict sense. A central conflict is established here. Love is fairy tale and love is reality. Both sides positing their views, the movie taking a Scorsese approach and not judging anyone. Richard arrives, Trish's husband, and he sees the he sees Elaine and immediately uh-oh. You know that's gonna go badly. That's a bit of that his name might as well be Red Herring. Not I don't know. In the apartment, Elaine paints. She's clearly good at a lot of things, but is obsessed with love, which is kind of sad. Elaine needs, makes a connection, a concoction even, a love potion perhaps. A book of spells is consulted. Magical chemistry ensues. This, this, uh, this movie is just art so far, pure art. Elaine wears all black and drinks potion, beseeching goddess send a sweet man who will love him. Who will love her? And she will love him. Does it work? Well, we'll find out in chapter two. Chapter two. Why is Elaine a witch? Question mark. Elaine walks down the street. Guys are giving her a male gaze that the movie's not giving her. So it kind of creates an interesting effect because they're lusting after her, but the movie's not presenting her as a lust object assembly. She enters the magic shop hoping to save her homemade wares. They'll try Elaine's stuff out. There's slight tension between her and Wendy and Manger, and it's, I think, putting across the idea that maybe Elaine's not quite as much of a witch as she thinks she is, or perhaps the, wi- perhaps the Wiccans who work in shops like this look down upon her and vice versa. Elaine sits on bench and fucking hell, the grass is so green. It is stunning to look at. I don't know how they did it, but it's so green, so bright, and it's just stunning. Elaine explains she's not a witch and for magical power, but get what she wants. That's disturbing. And it's also proven by her hypnotic gaze ensnares a bearded man, and being second, she manipulates him in spilling his true character. He doesn't see anything untoward about this, agreeing to take her to his cabin in woods in exchange for cooked meal. 
I think he thinks the cook knew figurative for sex, and I think Elaine is of belief in its literal sex may or may not be on cards. A woman is talking, Elaine was, sorry, we don't know the guy's name yet. A woman bearded man's talking to Ella is all the fuck, and rightly so. I mean, he just walked away from conversation with her, looked like a zombie, and then walked over to a witch. I'll be pissed too. I would be pissed. Beardy man and Elaine pull up to his cabin. He wants to make car love, like when they were kids. They didn't know each other when they were kids. He's being fictive. Fictive by a literate. Elaine pushes him off and then offers him the love potion. She wants love, not sets. He wants sets and figures this is how he gets it. So he has to finish it first. An alcohol tremor ensues. He tries again and once again Elaine fends him off. We discover his name's Wayne, and that makes perfect sense. Elaine wants to go inside, and has to fend Wayne off again. Because she needs to start dinner. Wayne, shut the fuck up. She's going to cook you dinner, mate. Just go with it. Wayne is very confused. He fucks round the fire like an arsehole, a pouty man, baby. If he had PlayStation 4, he'd be calling teenager sack of dick at this point. Dinner is served and steak's been cooked properly and I have to say thank you to F1 involved in this movie for cooking steak properly, presenting steak properly. My two big turn off in movie in horror movies or any movies when steak isn't cooked properly, it's gotta be at least medium. Come medium way, come on. And when someone's wearing tighty whities, I just ah oh, that puts me right off. But this movie, you know? They could stay properly. Very good. You pass the state test. Raw staking movie. You know, I I'm usually down on those movies unless it's featuring cannibals or zombies, in which case it's simple. It's scuff whether Wayne's a libertine, and he is. Hmm, it's interesting. The beard and long hair were kind of a giveaway, but you know, it's always. The dialogue is very naturalistic, and the acting is too. It's not like they're reading words off a script. It's like they're actually performing it. It gives the vibe of improvisation, but I don't think this movie had a lot of improvisation. I think it's richly rehearsed. Wayne comes down with the vapours and starts tripping balls. Elaine dances and strips while visual strip balls as well, putting across Wayne's perspective. Elaine gives him rainbow coat and removes her stockings. Wayne tries eating them because he can't handle his hallucinogens. She allows him to make love with her, the rule of consent. They make love. In contrast to before, this is via Elaine's POV, so it's more romantic than Wayne's would be. Probably lasts a lot longer too. Afterward, Wayne looks confused and sad. It turns out that the patient was too successful. Elaine slowly starts to realise she's fucked up because Wayne starts having a fucking nervous breakdown with no self-awareness at all. In fact, he starts acting like me when I'm trying to make this podcast. You know, you go through various stages and at the end you finally finish it, but you don't really feel like you've compromised because you have to do it again next week. So, can these two crazy kids go distance? Find out in Chapter 3. The answer is no. Chapter 3 Witchcraft 101 Elaine's on the couch by a lamp, the background binder lit to show off blue tint. Absolutely magnificent. This is a seriously good fucking movie. Wayne's still freaking out, to which we get Elaine's narration What a pussy! What a baby! Mum kids, don't do drugs or you'll trip out like poor Wayne here. Elaine rants in narration about how no one comforted her. No one was there for her when she was crying all the time, and yet Wayne expects her to be there for him. It's bullshit, it's a contradiction. Elaine gets a period, and you should note at this point that it's treated very matter-of-factly. She just makes breakfast. It's not an issue, it's just something she deals with. She hopes to shut Wayne up, no doubt, by making breakfast, but Wayne is being a pure arsehole, pale as shit, and just an irritating human being. Wayne can't drink her tea that she's made him, his hand's shaking horribly. He had a horrible dream that he's calling her name and she ain't answering. At this point, everyone watching the movie must be screaming, for fuck's sake, Wayne, get a hold of yourself, Jesus Christ. 
He begs her not to leave. She assures him she won't. Then she leaves the room. Brilliant, funny, clever, well-written scene. Elaine call, Elaine sets out to... Sorry, Elaine sets out her tarot cards. One of them showing hearts skewered by swords. No, oh, she visits Wayne and he's dead. Damn it, Wayne. You had one job which was stay alive till you stop dripping. Tripping, and you couldn't do that. Elaine cries. Then she wanders outside naked, picking some flowers. As you do, she sees a deer, and then Elaine goes back inside and pisses in a jar. She pours half the piss into another jar, inserting her used tampon into it, wondering how beautiful tampons are and how natural pure it is. She has some herbs and quarts it into the jar. She says that part of her can be of Wayne now. She wills bar- she wheelbarrows Wayne's corpse outside, and then buries him. She wants to come back as a Elaine says she wants to come back as a cat. She misses her old cat. It was a, he was her best friend. She gives Dead Wayne her rainbow coat, then pours light fluid on it, sets the rainbow coat on fire, and just watches it burn. Now she's in Bath. It's being a strange day for Elaine. I think we can all agree a strange weekend even. She drives Wayne's car away and goes back to Salem's Lot, where she paints to the Art Attack music. The paint is a confession of murder, but she cleverly doesn't draw a bearded man so no one's ever going to be able to charge her with murder of Wayne. The doorbell rings. Trish is here. Small talk ensues because it's time for tea. Pleasantries are exchanged. Elaine shrugs off Wayne's death as we maybe I'll maybe I'll work out next time, and Trish doesn't press. Trish doesn't press and she's off to for referring to a convention. Elaine is very unsubtle about inquiring where Richard's going. Once again, Trish does not press. At a classy burlesque club with red lighting and pool table, the bar staff casually discuss a murder, saying, It's those damn witches. Elaine's talking Barbara, the witch who sorted out her out for the flat. Or apartment, whatever. Elaine's talking Barbara, a fellow witch who clearly believes Elaine murdered Jeff. Even as Elaine talks about how sad she was that Jeff died. Elaine recounts the Wayne saga, and once again, Barbara clearly believes that Elaine's murdered him. And she warns Elaine to be more careful. This creepy warlock looking motherfucker named Gam kisses Elaine's stomach, mutters about mystery meat, and then tries to kiss Elaine on the lips. Looking repulsed, Elaine turns away. He also warns Elaine to be careful because, you no, know, she's murdering lots. She's murdering more and more people at this point. On light note, he's happy to see Elaine. When you start with that, it's a bit of mood whiplash. Gam says a prayer and a Mitt Jagger looking motherfucker in background tells the witches to go home. They ignore him and Gam says back in the day people made love freely. You need to pause this movie at... 0.46.1.2 for Elaine's you fucking what reaction to that. It is magnificent. Elaine feels Gam feels Elaine in on the new witch syllabus he and Barbara have created. Elaine looks like she doesn't give a fuck until sets magic's brought up to which she goes, Oh, are you still teaching it? Question mark. Gam is a complete arsehole in so many ways. Two blonde twins join them as Gam rambles on about dancing and women and sexuality and power. Barbara says the same witch trial marriage was designed to cave to queer female sexuality. Uh, I know at this point we meant to think Gam is a proper arsehole and in wrestling parlance a proper heel, but he is subfusion levels of shut the fuck up. This is the face of dickhead male pseudo-safe-and-tight feminism. He could, even though he isn't, he could be making astute points and it wouldn't matter because he drips with patriarchal entitlement. And I'm sure that's the point, but my God, every time he starts talking about feminism, I want to just jam a screwdriver into the back of my head. Anyway, that's chapter three in the bag. Chapter 4, Witches, Cops and Occult Studies. Elaine looks at pictures of various men that she's murdered. I, I mean lost. Men that she's lost. She hasn't murdered anyone. You get a brief flashback of Jeff saying he loves her, but she needs to be more careful. It's a running theme at this point. She really does need to be more careful. 
Jeff's ghostly voice rants about finding old hot dog under bed and her in-beardy brush her hair. This seems like it's more coupling than Love Witch, to be honest, but it's still very good. It's... Elaine touches herself to remember of Jeff saying happily that she's lost weight. Um, wherever floats your boat, I guess. Flashbacks to Witch Church, and mostly naked Elaine's tied up and blindfolded. A bell is rung as Elaine's put on the table. Gam rambles on about heresy. A nude man in clothes stabs Elaine with a knife. He hands the knife to a nude woman who's also wearing cloak, and she drips the blood into a chalice. Gam mounts Elaine. We are saved by a wonderful directing job. We're saved by director quickly cutting away. But Elaine's backstory, like, they're being very subtle with it, but it's really fucked up. Like, really, really fucked up. The, the implications are bad enough, but stuff we, and stuff we see is even worse. But they're not going half into detail on it that they could so I'm quite thankful for that and at this point we meet Sergeant Griff who's congr- well I've written down congratulated and it's Burke's congratulated his own 1G on his promotion by Officer Connie Griff asks for coffee and discovers that she's made some just the way he likes it he says ask her if there's anything she can't do and she says try me I think she's offering him blowjob guys Anyway, Griff gets his coffee and meets with his best boy, Stevens. Stevens and Griff, the greatest cop duo ever. They're absolute lads, so bantery with each other. Implications about sets, about staying up all night drinking coffee. And we get, him, we get the flout truth from Griff and he doesn't want to settle down. Fair enough, don't have to settle down. In his office, he talks to Shelley. Shelley is the blonde that Wayne dumped to hang out with Elaine. Shelley's basically cracked the case and done the cop's job for them. You know, she knows the how, the why, the when, the who. Anyway, they follow her to Wayne's cabin and they find that the place is full of gone off food and Elaine's first piss jar. Stevens finds the charred rainbow coat and the second piss jar and Griff comes out with the classic line, we're going to have to dig Steve. At this point, I think, wait, they have a warrant? Like, Shelley doesn't have any legal recourse here. She can't give them permission to go into the cabin. And they certainly can't dig up private property. Because at this point, they don't know Wayne's dead. Like, anyway, Elaine's made Richard Dinger. And at this point, you have to wonder, is Richard brain damaged? Elaine's dropping giant hints, giant fucking hints, and Richard's not getting it. Richard asks her about Jeff, and she freaks out to Richard shows vulnerability. Elaine hands him the coolest wine glass ever. I don't even drink wine, and I want that. These props are amazing. Even if inside this particular prop is the latest form of psycho. Uh, psychotropic hallucinogen. Elaine asks what turns Richard on, and he replies with flying. Richard says that flying turns him on. Flying turns Richard on. What the fuck? He explains it, but doesn't make any more sense. Oh my god. Richard revealed further that he wanted to be a gangster and have affairs. I, I genuinely, at this point, I don't think Richard's okay because the psychotropic hallucinogen doesn't seem to be taking effect yet and he's come out with some really disturbing shit. Elaine says it isn't stupid, it's sweet and I'm sorry, no, it's stupid, it's not sweet. He's saying that he wants to cheat on his wife and rob banks and murder people and hang out with prostitutes. That's not sweet. Anyway, Elaine says she understands it better than Trish, and again it goes back to theme of reality versus fancy. Of course, Elaine is enticing to a married man. She's a free spirit, she's bohemian, she's a witch. You know, she's offering herself to Richard openly, even if he's not getting hints. Of course, she's enticing, but it's fantasy, it's not real, and like. I think movie is putting across that aspect of it, that we're not meant to be rooting for Elaine. 
I, I don't think movies make judgments any other way, like saying one person's beckoning up the other, but I genuinely think Rick, these male characters, even before they take the psychotropic hallucinogen, they are fucking dumb as shit. And I that is the point, and that's fine, but you have to mention it. Elaine starts stripping as Richard starts chewing on everything she, every item of clothing she throws in. These lads really can't handle their psychotropic hallucinogens. Elaine incorporates burlesque elements into a strip because this script is impeccably structured and everything pays off and everything's brought back. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. No jokes. What I would joke about is Richard gets all up in Elaine's butt. I mean, he's just, he's digging He's going diving there. He really is. Elaine drops the title by revealing that she is the love witch. It only took an hour, but we got our fucking title, lads. Richard decides to throw his marriage away because he is a fucking moron. And he's also high shit. But, you know, if you can handle your psychotropic hallucinogens, you won't have fares. Meanwhile, at Salem's Lot Police Department, Grift is going to visit a witch doctor college professor. Sure, why not? I mean, it's just a unique movie. I think Witch Doctor College Professors could exist in June first. Because he's discovered that cause of death is cause of Wayne's death is wait for it, a heart attack caused by wait for it, witch's weed. And holy shit, Reefer Madness has been vindicated, people. The Trump administration must be delighted by that. Grift is giving Grift is going alone and tells Stephen to order him a sandwich. It's a pretty arsehole of him, setting up his character as a jock. Grift meets Professor King, a terribly English man. Terribly English, dear boy. He IDs at least his second piss jar as a witch bottle. A bottle that fends off evil spirits. Professor King exposits about witchcraft. And normally exposition's annoying, but in this case it's okay because he's terribly English and clearly Grift is not going to get any of this because he's a fucking moron. Anyway, that's the end of chapter four. Let's find out if Grift can track the case in the next chapter. Chapter five, Rich's nervous breakdown. We go back to Gam, who's now kissing Barbara's chest. Skyrim is the dirtiest bastard since Dr. Manhattan. Anyway, he puts Loki's hat on and summons a goddess to possess Barbara? Really? The goddess might be Aphrodite or Isis or Diana. It's one of them. Anyway, the goddess is beckoned and we see an owl hooting background. And I love how this movie goes with stuff like that. It's perfectly it's happy to have little weird bits in the background. And if you'll notice, the owl gets close up. Which is fantastic. Elaine looks disconcerted. She's having flashbacks to Wayne and their liaison. And the flashbacks go on for a few seconds. Anyway, a bunch of naked witches and warlocks rise and walking circle holding hands. And then wine and wheat cakes ensue as a shindig is happening. Gam is naturally passionising to Elaine and openly says he knows about victims while he's touching her up. It's a bit creepy. Elaine repulsed, storms over Barbara and reveals she's dumped Richard. See, some ways I'd be annoyed about this. I'd be like, why is something that important happening off screen? But this movie is so impeccably structured that... We learn that she's dumped Richard and immediately we go Richard's mindset. It's like we don't need to see a repeat of the previous example of Wayne. We can see something different. So we learn they've dumped, that Elaine's dumped Richard and then find out off screen that she's dumped him again. She's dumped him once but we find out off screen. She says that she's dumped him and then off screen stuff happens. And then we see Richard fucking about with her tarot cards. Firstly, why did you take them Richard you piece of shit? Certainly, they're not your tarot cards. And thirdly, you're unshaven and you're getting upset with your wife. That ain't cool. That's not cool. Trish is concerned at how Richard seems high as a motherfucker. And you just feel bad Trish at this point. Like one generally likeable character in this movie. Richard proceeds to have a nervous breakdown. Trish ponders talking to him. 
but she doesn't press. Just goes upstairs. Richard watches deleted scenes of him and Elaine. We see his trippy point of view, a naked, which primarily consists of naked Elaine approaching fire. You can't stand by. If that's all you're seeing, that's all you could really comprehend. That you probably were pretty fucked up. Griff visits the magic shop from earlier, and Wendy looks very nervous at being asked questions. It's nice with continuity because she looked nervous talking to Elaine earlier. She's shown Elaine's second piss jar, and Wendy immediately not doesn't give him up yet. No, she's shown Elaine's second piss jar, and Wendy shows him. Uh, which bottle she made earlier. Wendy rats out Elaine straight away. That's pretty cool. I like seeing like a two-scene character like Wendy, who actually has importance between scenes, and it's a callback. And if you don't remember the opening scene, of Wendy, that's fine. If you do remember it, you're like, oh, that's a connection. It's really cool. Elaine's trying to improve a psychotropic hallucinogen at home, but there's a knock at the door. It's Grift. Elaine plays dumb, and Grift is so stupid. No, sorry, fucked up. Elaine plays dumb, Grift is dumb. Essentially, Elaine denies knowing Wayne by name or photo. She does accept that she made a witch's bottle, but denies making piss jar. So she's actually angry that Grift is carrying around a jar of piss in his bag and shows it to her and says, is this yours? That's disgust. That thing must stink by this point. And then get great... Greatest exchange in this movie date. Grift asks Elaine, are you a witch? She replies, yes. Grift is a terrible cop because there's no follow-up. There's no follow-up to that. He's like, are you a witch? Yes. Oh, shit. We're, I, it's, not, it's not illegal. Elaine defends witchcraft, saying it saved her. And at this point, it really dawns on me that Samantha Robinson, the woman playing Elaine, is a fantastic actress. What she's essentially doing is she's playing she's playing a woman who's tapping into real emotions and using them to fake vulnerability to avoid being arrested. That is so good because there's truth to what Elaine is coming out with, but she's using it as manipulative technique to avoid being arrested. And then get hypnosis eyes. Elaine says Grift is her fate. Grift is confused, so Elaine has to explain. Grift is still confused. Elaine asks if he likes animals. Griff, suddenly realising the subject he knows a lot about, in fact, it's his mastermind subject, says yes. Yes, he does. The next scene, Elaine and Griff ride horses. Grift asks, how's my game? Elaine answers, am I your game? Griff says, today you are, and there's no one around to me otherwise. Elaine responds, except me. Griff asks, what's that supposed to mean? Elaine should run at this point, surely. Like, that's that's terrifying on so many levels. And they kiss. They hear a sound in the background, and Griff asks, what's that sound? Well, we'll find out in Chapter 6. Chapter 6, Wicker Man 2. So that sound they heard was a renaissance fair, complete with everyone's favourite part of a renaissance fair, some dickhead in a hybrid jester slash clown costume. Full marks to F1 involved in this movie for going all out capturing the pure annoyance of such a gobshite. This event is a happening anyway, everyone's so happy, they're drinking wine, youngsters having good time, it's all very jolly. Everyone's having good times. Griff, who looks proper irritated, and he has to be at such an event. Or maybe it's less irritation than he has to be at the event. More irritation than he's not hearing the police capacity beating up all of these hippies. Gam lets us know it's the summer solstice. And two leafy guys fight over a young woman in green. With wooden swords. They fight with wood. The winger carries the green maiden away, and then we don't see them for the rest of the scene. And I've seen enough movies like this to know that does not have a happy ending. Barbara says hello to Elaine and Griff asks if she knows these people. Griff asks if Elaine knows these people, one who just came up and called her by name. Anyway, Elaine and Griff join them and that dickhead jester calls for a wedding song of the gods of love. And then when Griff calls him on it, 
the jester says, no, it's a mock wedding. Like, Griff, wrong. Like, I was saying Elaine wrong a second ago. You should wrong at this point. Two youngsters sing a song that gives me Island of Death flashbacks, and I won't even go into Island of Death. It is one of the worst things ever made. And so Jester sits there like an asshole while they sing this song. And I really, at this point, I would be okay with Griff if he just shot Jester a few times. No, you got to be sure. Jester, it's Jester looks like something out of a frigging horror, out of a prop, full-on horror movie. Like a slasher movie. And they give the Jester the last verse. And I'm really creeped out by this. This... One of my things is I hate jesters and I hate clowns and I hate mimes. They creep me out. And this jester is just so weird. Like, I have to give movie props for how strange the jester is, but it's fucking terrifying. One of the things what I like about Stephen King's It, the TV miniseries, they didn't make clown up that much because clowns are intrinsically fucking terrifying and so are jesters. Grifton Lane has scurried off to a makeover, and neither one of them seem particularly concerned that a bunch of strangers is stripping them and then putting new clothes on. Griffin in particular seems to be like, whoa, whoa, okay, lads, okay, okay, okay. You can proceed. Like, I mean, is he not irritated? Uh, he didn't want to be there in the first place, and now he's called for his people undressing him. Very strange. And I have to wonder at this point, is Griff legitimately one of the stupidest characters in the history of fiction? He can't even blame being high. Does he not understand that this is pretty strange and out there and that he might actually be getting married to Elaine? No. And then guess who marries them? Three guesses. You only need one. Fucking Gam marries them. Of course he does. Of course he marries them. This guy is a piece of shit if I ever saw one. Then we get dueling narration. And it's one of the things I love about Scorsese movies like Goodfellas. And Election by Axan Payne. I wasn't much fan of that. But I like the idea that you get dueling narration. Dueling narration even. And Griff narrates... His part of it is, and he dislikes love, legitimately, legitimately in this narration, he comes across sociopathic. There's no other way to describe it. The comments he makes are just the most inappropriate things to think about. He's like, he's talking about how love for a cop is a bad thing, how he doesn't want to get married. I mean, I think he wants to get married. He just doesn't want to love his wife. It's like, I... I he actually at one point says, I know I have to get married, but I don't want to fall in love. It's like, what's wrong with you? And then flip side, Elaine talks about how much she loves Griff. Describing things she can't know, given they've just met the day before. And this is her first date. And she's currently the main suspect in his fucking murder investigation. Elaine, you can't love this guy. It doesn't work like that. And then Griff says an amazingly inappropriate thing, even more inappropriate than what we just said. He said, getting no woman is a rookie mistake. The more you know someone, the less interesting and less you will love them. I'm sorry, that is just... He is such a twat. He really is. And I love the movie for putting out across. Then it's not afraid to point out that this guy is a throwback to an ass to an age of assholes. This fucker makes Don Draper look like friggin' Tom Hansen sleepers in Seattle. What a prick. But then flips out what Elaine's got some serious problems too. So it's like watching two trains driving each other and you know they're gonna hit each other and it's gonna be a gigantic explosion. it's gonna be like fucking two Chrysler buildings slamming to each other. You know it's gonna be a disaster, you have to watch. And then feel bad for Trish, who's caught in between all of this bullshit. Like Elaine's just taking someone's husband and doesn't give a shit and left him a nervous wreck after murdering Wayne, after, uh, no, sorry, after losing Wayne and after losing Jeff, and you can't see me, but I'm doing quotation marks, and now she's fucking around with the copies investigating her for murder. My God, what is going to happen in the next chapter?
What chapter is it? What is going to happen in chapter 7? Well, we'll find out after a quick break. Chapter 7, Chekhov's Ring. Griff is at the police station. He's asked out by Connie, but he can't tonight. He has plans, and he has plans tomorrow. She looks devastated. Stevens appears with some juice information on Elaine, but Griff says the captain told them to leave the witches alone. Do not disturb the witches. The witches are not fair game. Since when? Stephen asks, getting angry. And then he exposits that Elaine was married, then became burlesque dancer, and then a witch. But some witches in Coven died mysteriously. Then Elaine... Husband mysteriously died mysteriously of a drug overdose, most mysteriously, before he could get remarried, and cops interviewed Elaine but didn't have enough to hold her. Griff shrugs it off. Stevens maintains Elaine is a dangerous character, having seen deleted scenes from earlier. Stevens accuses Griff of being in love with Elaine, and that's the final straw because Griff punches Stevens and knocks him to ground. The lad, bromance is over. You're out of line, Griff, says Stevens. Way out of line. I think Griff just turned heel, guys. And I'm very sad that Griff and Stevens' tag team is over. They split. They'll never be the same again. Meanwhile, at the tea room, Trish pours some tea. She confronts... Actually, what am I talking about? She's not at the tea room. Trish pours tea at home. She confronts Richard. Or means to at any rate. See, he's locked himself in the bathroom. He must be having breakdown. Trish won't stand for that. She breaks in to find Richard has slit his wrist. <laughs> ah! Trish screams. And I stop joking at this point. So I do not know how this movie can hop from a parodic cop scene to a genuinely heart-wrenching tragedy so effortlessly. This scene fucked me up, man. It's really good, really simple, really straightforward, but it pays off and it adds a lot of reality to the movie. You're seeing consequences of Elaine's misdeeds now and it's not pretty and it's not as funny as the breakdown was for Wayne where it's kind of amusing. This is really messed up. From there, we see strawberry poured onto a cake at tea room. We're actually in tea room now. Trish's cake, be precise. Trish is fucking pissed. She thanks Elaine for being there through gritted teeth. Elaine is so patronising in the scene, doesn't really seem to understand that Trish's husband is fucking dead because of you, you arsehole. She doesn't seem to give shit about Trish's pain or plight, even when Trish reveals that she knew that Richard was having an affair. Elaine knows those Trish saying that she wants to rip that woman pieces. Being polite, as a way to do person is, Trish asks about Elaine, not that she should really care. Her husband just fucking died. Elaine goes full batshit insane, rambling about how much she loves Griff, and the fact that they might get married despite the fact that she's known him less than a week, and they've only been on one date. Elaine, what are you doing? Stop taking the witch's weed. Trish sadly remembers things have gone full circle and where Elaine once envied her for having man, now she envies Elaine for having man. This is the weirdest dynamic. Elaine comes out with the classic line, Trish, I'm sorry, I have to go. In some intentional Tommy Wiseau level acting. Elaine leaves her ring that Griff gave her at the Renaissance Fair with Trish. Who phones Elaine, who's just left, and says she'll drop it off at Elaine's. And oh shit, it's time for the main event. Elaine versus Trish. 22 minutes to go. This is going to be fucking awesome. Chapter 8. The main event. Trish pulls up at Elaine's. Beating Elaine home. She enters the flat, dropping Ring off. Then she picks it up and investigates Elaine's witch chair. She finds clues that lead her to realise Elaine seriously messed up. She tries on Elaine's lipstick and wig. 
And we got Clone Maggle. He's doing an excellent job making Trish become Elaine briefly, down to the Elaine-style bra and panties and robe. It's the most disconcerting non-jester moment in this entire movie. But Trish sees Rich's picture and then a love spear and a voodoo doll and a love note. Oh shit, it's on now, Maggle. The main event has begun. Elaine appears, sneaking up on Trish with a knife. The music goes apeshit. Trish sees her and she disarms Elaine with ease. She takes Elaine down and she beats the shit out of her. What kind of Roman Reigns-esque promo about Elaine being a bitch, a whore and a skank? Trish, realising the error of her ways, she flees, getting counted out. And I start to wonder, wait, who's the good guy here? Good guys don't run away. Elaine realises she's fucked up and then she prays to the goddess for Trish to crash, crash and die, die. What is going on? The witch coven are now surrounding Elaine in a different scene. They make her drink soapy, suddy water and then they bind her to Griff forever and ever. Griff is in burlesque club. He wants a scotch. The blonde twins are on stage dancing to deadly premonition style music. The waitress mocks the blondes for dancing poorly and being weird. The bartender Sam shrugs, says the customers like him, that's all he cares about. Budget Mick Jagger is back, saying they're witches, and staff discuss how creepy witches are, they're so creepy. Elaine appears, Griff barks at her to sit down, saying the DNA connects her to Wayne. And that Trish has just ratted Elaine out off camera. Whoa! Elaine shrugs. She says Griff is just negative and she didn't technically kill anyone. Elaine says she didn't use magic but admits her spells were far too strong. Elaine, if this was smarter cop, you'd be arrested flat. Griff diagnoses Elaine. Elaine diagnoses him but neither of them is a doctor so it's not binding. Griff calls her a bottomless hole. Jesus Christ, Griff. And then says he doesn't love her. The last sentence wasn't needed. When you call a woman a bottomless hole, that's all you need to say. <laughs> you shouldn't say that. If you do say that, that's just you just leave it there. Elaine says men should love women for who they are, not who they can be. You know she's right there. She's got a point. She reveals that she found power in witchcraft after being dumped aside by men. Griff says he has to arrest her, and when she says what for, he says under charge of burying Wayne illegally. Holy shit, what an amazing payoff to Griff being terrible cop, that suddenly out of nowhere he uses the Al Capone logic. You get them on a small crime, and then you get them on bigger crime later. But there's the problem, budget Mick Jagger's there. He overheard them and he freaks the fuck out. He grabs Elaine as a burn the witch chant starts. It's not very catchy. The assemble front start assaulting Elaine and strip her down. Some men beat up Grifting background. Two guys for some reason start undoing their trousers. And Griff has none of that. He holds up and he beats the hell out of the mob. I'm talking bodies flying, punches thrown... He's taking punches, but he ain't getting knocked down by them. No, sir. No, sorry. He flees with Elaine's cop car as they bang on car and demand that the witches be burned. Mick Jagger watches them leave. Budget Mick Jagger watches them leave and makes a sandwich kind of be described as while crossing his arms and then extending his arms in the raven pose. We're at Elaine's flat. Elaine comforts Griff. He's going to drink the devil's weed, but swerve. He pours it on the floor and stares at her in disgust. Elaine proceeds to have a nervous breakdown. She sees Griff as not Griff, but a head, but an evil skull demon's head. Then she sees the men that she lost earlier. Jeff, Wayne, Richard, or Jerry, Wayne, Richard, whatever. Griff decides he's fed up this shit and he goes to sleep. And Elaine grabs a knife and stabs the shit out of him. Just like the painting. See, we've come full circle, guys. Then she hallucinates Griff as a prince and starts seeing flashbacks. And the jester appears and he has a horse. 
Elaine gets on the horse in her imagination and she rides off in fancy land as Griff dies in reality. The jester cries. Elaine's fancy smile fades. The end. Holy shit. What a movie. What a goddamn movie. I'm actually not joking. I love this movie. It is... Wow. I don't even know what to say. So we need to take a quick break. And then we'll go on to the end. It's epilogue. So this isn't going to be a very long The End is Epilogue for this episode. But at the same time, I want to point out this is a fantastic movie. I'm not joking. It's wonderful in so many ways. So good. The acting, the writing, the way things come back full circle, the way supporting characters have importance, the way every little thing comes back in this movie. Oh, so good. It's the uniquest movie. It's the Princess Bride of horror movies. It's funny, tragic, sad, heartwarming, tear-jerking, action-packed, hilarious, parody, plays it straight, does everything, ending with a huge, huge fight scene with Elaine and Trish, where Elaine sneaks up on Trish with a knife, and the music's going batshit crazy, and they're fighting, and Elaine is screaming, and Trish is hurling the seventies. And then the scene at nightclub with the fight and Mick Jagger. I don't even know what that is doing. But he's very mannerism. Sorry, that's my pen background. It's so good. It's it's the strangest movie. But you guys have to watch it. I've talked enough. Wonderful. Just, I'm not, I, I can't even. I enjoyed American Psycho, but this was a fucking blast. And this is everything that Shudder has the potential to be one of the best horror movies I've seen in a long time. Absolutely loved it. Strange as anything, but exceptionally well-crafted. Annabella, you are an amazing director, and I can't wait for Bluebeard. And guys, all I can say is that next week's episode is Honeymoon starring Rose Leslie. I don't think we're going to have anything this good for a fairly long time. But, you know, we'll try. We'll, we'll try. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. And I will see you next week. And remember, life is beautiful. <laughs>